Welcome to Pretty Please Paris, your passport to living well in Paris. I'm Andy, your host for today. And I'm Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Tioka. So um, today we are going to break the show up into three sections, what we're drinking in October or maybe just today. Um, And our main segment, we'll be talking about Parisian cliches versus the truth of Paris and living as a Parisian. And we'll finish it up with our worldwide famous segment called Bizou Bizou. So... Uh, let's just jump in right now, and I'm going to ask Elizabeth, what are you drinking this October? Well, I've been having a craving for matcha lately, and so I, I made a batch of matcha and white chocolate cookies, and I've been experimenting with different matcha lattes, like different mm-hmm. recipes I found on the internet. And then uh, someone I know had this uh, trick they recommended, which is just to put the matcha directly into the milk in the Nespresso foamer, which I have. Mm. And it's amazing. I have to say it really, so take really the green, the green powder, the green right? powder, like okay. culinary matcha, cooking grade matcha. And, you know, the, the, the Nespresso has a separate kind of machine that just whips up the milk, you know, and you dump a, a teaspoon in there with, with the milk that you would use to make a cappuccino. And it just like whips up a latte really wow. perfectly. That's yes. it. That's just milk and the green powder. Yeah. So. <laughs> what I call the green powder. Nice. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been in, enjoying that and it's good now that the weather has turned a little bit. A little bit yeah. green. But any chance the matcha cookies, were you using the recipe from uh, Jean's cookie? I was using the recipe from Jean Caron's book, which is called okay. Cookie Love. We'll give her a little plug. Yes. And uh, she has a couple of different matcha recipes in there. And my okay. son, who is kind of uh, more of a picky eater, at least than my daughter, and he just loves these cookies. Yeah, my husband loves them too. So uh, yeah, we'll definitely put a link for uh, Jean's uh, store, which is a lovely little cookie shop in Paris. Definitely my mm-hmm. favorite and also her cookbook. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, and she's an American in English Paris, right? or French. Yes. Uh, is she American? She might be Canadian, but nope, she's American. She's American. Okay. Yep. I have met her a couple times, but oh. I don't remember. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've I never been I, there. Um, I I kind of as soon as we um, ended our lockdown here in Paris, that was one of the first shops that I went to. <laughs> Got a stash of cookies. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to check that out. Um, Right now, I'm just drinking myself. I'm just drinking. Um, I, I went to, uh, where did I go? I went to Biarritz and I saw a wow. beautiful bag of um, flowers, <laughs> dried flowers. And it turns out it was a tisane, a, a tea. Uh, so I thought, you know, it really looked like potpourri, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and I guess since I'm a visual person, I was like, hey, I want to drink that potpourri. <laughs> <laughs> Does it taste like potpourri? Uh, no, 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 no. Actually, no. I was a little bit afraid of that too. I was, I was kind of afraid that it would be that sort of like burning the back of your throat kind of uh, tisane. But it, no, it was really, really nice. And it's just, um, uh, it's just, it was just a mix of. I think the the dominant flavor is uh, in French. They call it Melissa, 
like the female name, Melissa, um, but in English it's called lemon bomb. So I always wondered what lemon bomb was. Apparently I really like lemon bomb. And I also yeah. like their little flowers bobbing around with my <laughs> lemon bomb. It's just really pretty and, um, and it's a nice winter uh, you know, winter drink and it's supposed to have all these virtues from cognitive to like solving your menstrual cramps and all and on and on anxiety and all that stuff. But honestly, it just tastes good. That's there why I'm go. drinking it. Do you okay? Yeah. What about you? <laughs> um, actually, I just um, walked in the door. I was at my friend's house, Kathy's house, um, just having a little girlfriend time. And we uh, chatted for a while over a cup of game matcha tea. So um, I love game matcha, just that slight variation on matcha. And from what I understand, it's just kind of like the poor people's version of matcha. Um, so instead of having just the green tea to kind of fill it out a little bit, you've got some um, grilled rice to sort of perfume the tea. And I find that during the fall, that just adds that perfect bit of kind of nuttiness and warmth that mm -hmm. I like for this sort of gray weather. So yeah, it's really subtle taste. I like it. Yeah, I gave it to Pierre favorite. for the first time the other day and he thought it tasted like popcorn, which is not yeah. wrong. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Like popcorn, <laughs> a little bit more, I guess you like rice crispy treats if you're from the US. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need to get some more though. I need to stock up. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so uh, that's uh, moving right along, I guess. Uh, let's jump into our um theme for today. So we all uh, happened to start talking about Emily in Paris the other day. And uh, of course, we could talk about that. But I think everyone's already had their conversations and what they <laughs> all over the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> so instead, we decided to talk about our own Emily in Paris moments and um, explore what uh, kind of cliches uh, did we come with um, in our baggage <laughs> and what have we discovered to be the truth about Paris so um, Chilka uh, you've lived in Paris for how long I don't even know um, um, I always think oh I've just been here for 10 years but um, I've been married for about 20 years so I assume <laughs> that I've been here that whole time so I've probably been here almost 20 years Okay. So what about you? What kind of uh, ideas do you have about Paris, good or bad or whatever? And, you know, and where are you now? Hmm. That's such a tricky question. I actually just got my French passport um, <gasps> about two weeks ago. Exciting. Uh, yes. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but um, so after, you know, but even with this French passport and I've got my French birth certificate, um, I don't believe that I will ever feel, uh, truly French or truly Parisian. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why that is, but, um, I might have to say that there's a cliche in France that, um, France is, there's a bit of snobbery here. It's a very sort of snobby country. Um, and one of the things that you'll hear from your French colleagues and um, your French associates is that um, in France, we're very slow to make friends. Um, but once we do make the, the, the friends, it's, it's a bond that lasts a lifetime. Um, and so um, 
that's kind of counter to that sort of US style where, you know, you meet somebody and in the first minute you're fast friends and then maybe you don't hear from them um, for weeks or months or years. And then when you do see them, you just kind of start up that friendship all over again. Um, so there's a different concept of friendship here. And I think in the beginning, um, you can fall into this idea of that cliche of it being snobby. Um, but when you spend some time here, you realize that it's not necessarily that it's just a different. Yeah. I think they would use the word prudent, right? They would be prudent. Oh, I like that. Right. They would be prudent about going into relationships. They don't jump in. They, they're, they're very guarded. Yeah. Um, they listen, they, I mean, you know what, <laughs> like anything, there's all different variations, but there is, I think there's more of a tendency, uh, to value that more than, um, we do in the States. <laughs> Definitely. And so I think that was probably one of my first, um, uh, cliches turned to kind of reality check, like, oh, okay, well, this mm-hmm. is simply, um, a different approach to, to friendships. Um, and you know, I, I do, that's maybe one of the things that I miss about living in the U S that sort of fast friendship, that sort of warm camaraderie that you can get with somebody sitting next to you, uh, uh, on a bar stool or, um, you know, just that you just encounter it some strange way, uh, uh, in New York and you just sort of start up a conversation and there's just something kind of warm and friendly and engaging about that. Um, whereas you might not have those encounters so often in France. Um, but when you do meet um, someone and and you you do kind of put in the time, um, I find quite often you're sort of surprised, uh, or, or I'm surprised by the the the, de- the extent of the loyalty and um, the the support that you get from from people. So that's a cliche turned into a reality check. And then maybe the other one is. Um, uh, is this idea about fences, having a jardin privé, a kind of secret garden. Um, I think in the United States, um, we're quite quick to sort of tell all of our business, to share all of our business. What do you do? Where do you live? How much money do you make? Or maybe not exactly how much money do you make, but all the sort of codes for, for discerning how much money somebody makes. Um, and in, in France, um, maybe the cliche is that's very, very uh, just not done, um, not appropriate, very sort of gauche. Um, one of the things that I've learned over my years here is that there's a concept of sort of having a secret garden, jardin privé, that um, there are things that you really just keep for yourself and you don't share. And sometimes I, I feel like, at least my understanding is people don't even necessarily share um, certain things with their spouses. Like they, there's this, this wall and this sort of protectiveness of, of, of self that um, seems much stronger here than, um, than I'm used to from the U S in the U S you know, you know, you sometimes, well, not sometimes, but I think before I moved here, I would, if I was in a relationship, I'd just throw everything out on the table because that was part of being in a relationship. You just put everything out there and, and yeah. people have to accept you for who you are. And, um, you know, how can they really love you if they don't know you or something like that? Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, but here I definitely have sort of learned to appreciate this idea of, you know, maybe holding some things back, keeping some things for, for yourself. Um, 
Yeah, in, in American, we have this expression "too much four one one," like you're oversharing, right? Yes. And yes. there's that expression does not exist in French, I don't think, or an equivalent because people don't do that. Right. Um, and so that's, um, and so those are my two um, things, which maybe are a little bit related, but this idea of, of not sharing so much, um, even on a, on a kind of intimate level and also not sharing so, or, or not being so quick to embrace new friendships. That's interesting. That's, uh, I think it's also interesting that you've found that that was something that you've, a trait that you've adopted into your own yeah. life. Yeah, because there's, there's, you know, I, that's one of the beautiful things about different cultures is there's, there's a reason, there's a logic, there's a, there's a, there's a sense to what people do, um, and um, you know, when we're kind of moving around as expats, it's always, uh, not always, but you know, maybe the first few months or first few years, we might be amused or annoyed by it, um, but when you've been living in a country for, for as long as we have. Um, you know, you can kind of take things on their own merit and see, you know, appreciate the, the value of them. So good. Um, I, uh, how about you, Elizabeth? Do you? Well, I think when I, I first came to France, I've been here over 20 years. I'm not going to count how many now, but, uh, I think a lot of the cliches I, I, or the image that I had in France, which were cliches, had to do with a lot of food and wine and things like that. And a lot of them turned out to be true. Like my husband cannot eat dinner if he does not have bread, which I find very strange. Like it really, he, it's really hard for him. He's very grumpy. Um you know, wine is an important part of life. I remember when I was first here, I had sort of a fainting spell and I went to see a doctor and he asked me how much I drank. And I said, or, you know, he told me not to drink for a while. And I said, no, no drinking at all. Cause I was surprised because, you know, the French and their wine. Right. And I, and he yeah. asked me how, how much I drank during the week. And I said, Oh, you know, I have a, a few glasses a week of wine, red wine. And he said, well, I don't mean wine, you know, because that doesn't count as alcohol. Right. No. <laughs> so, so a lot of those things turned out to be true. Um, a lot of things turned out to be false. You know, there's, they, I think Tioka mentioned there's a, an image that French are standoffish or that they're even actively rude, uh, which can be true, but it's not to Americans in particular. Like they just are, you know, can be standoffish and reserved to everyone, to other French people. You know, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with whether you're an ugly American or don't speak the language or anything like that. I, so I, I think that gets exaggerated a lot. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think, struck me when I first moved here very strongly is actually something that Emily in Paris touched on, which is one of the, her coworkers says to her, uh, you know, the Americans live to work and the French work to live. And I think Mm. there's a lot of truth in that, Uh, at least the sort of, you know, background where I came from. And it's not to say that the French don't work hard or long hours. That's sort of an image people have. And I I don't think that's true at all. I mean, most people I know work very hard and work long hours, but they also seek out a balance in life, you know, where you get, you know, longer vacations. (laughs) Yeah. You get vacations more often. Uh, It's, you know, very important that you have time for, for your family, for your friends. There really is that uh, sense of that your, your quality of life 
is more important than even the money you make. And you can have a, a fairly decent quality of life here without being seem Not that money doesn't matter, because clearly it does, but uh, I don't think there's such a striving for always to earn more and more and more if it's not making your life better. Mm. Yes. So what about you, Andy? So uh, I was going to talk about um, food too, um, you know, <laughs> snails and frog legs, all these things that I thought I was going to be confronted with before I came, which is like 30 years ago. Um, and uh, in the middle of the week, I got a message from um, a place that I work with. It's a restaurant and, um, and I draw for them. Uh, I have drawn cassoulet, which is, beans and sausage and that's really hard to make beans and sausage look kind of pretty <laughs> and that uh, but also you know sometimes tomatoes which I love to draw or cherries and things like that that's great well they threw me for a loop because I was going to talk about uh you know how yes people do eat snails but not very often and it's a treat just like I don't know your Thanksgiving turkey kind of thing. It's something that comes out periodically, or maybe if you go to a restaurant, I've never seen frog legs uh, on a menu, on a, like an everyday, like bistro menu. That's another mm -hmm. thing that I think you have to kind of go out of your way um, to, to, to find. It's not very often you find it. Okay. So going back to the, to the, the message that I got today, they said, could you please, so and the month of November is going to be the, uh, restaurant month of triperie. <laughs> so Lisaba or all the things um, that um, a lot of people don't eat. So uh, it's it. Uh, so I've got to draw this category of food that includes. Uh, uh, so I've looked up exactly what are triperie uh, liver. Okay, so foie gras, right? That's like. People know that, right? Um, uh, so people eat liver, yeah. Uh, kidneys, mm, okay. Uh, tongue. Uh, here's a, a special one. <laughs> this I'd never heard of this one before until I looked it up today. Uh, uh, cow udders. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pancreas, etc. Intestines, things like that. You know. Uh, so yeah, people do eat that, and. Um, uh, but it is, again, you know, like something kind of special. And they are making the month of November, the, uh, la, you know, Le Mois de Triperie. And it's uh, the promotion um, that they're suggesting people do is to, um, to eat. Uh, what's the, wait, I'm just trying to think of the slogan. The slogan is Oser, Oser Manger Oser. So dare to eat daringly, uh, which... Hmm indicates to me that even for the French, uh, these are special things and uh, they suggest that you go to a restaurant to eat them and they give you some uh, ideas where you can eat. Uh, they suggest you go out and eat uh, some guts on a date. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or, and the part that I really loved was going solo. Why not cook at home? <laughs> You know, a nice little tongue sandwich. So, um, 
So that really kind of made me laugh, especially since I, I kind of think of myself as completely, you know, blasé, like uh, hard to surprise me about anything French. And, uh, and this did, uh, and I kind of loved it. And I think that there might be something to the idea of take your pick of food, but trying things that you don't usually eat and sort of challenging yourself uh, not to horrify yourself, but to, um, yeah, go out of your comfort zone and discover new things and try to understand them. I think the three, you know, anybody who ends up in, uh, I I was going to say foreign country, but maybe a a living situation that they um, are not native to, um, already has done that, and uh, it might be fun to try to experiment with your food in that way. I love this idea in theory. <laughs> can you imagine being on a first date and <laughs> your partner orders sheep? And, I well, don't know about that. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't know. In Philadelphia, they have something called Scrapple. I don't know if anyone's oh, ever heard of it. yes. Scrapple, yeah, like, Scrapple, Scrapple. Yes, of course. That's like cheap. That's like cheap, too. So. Yeah. For me, I just, you know, that I don't know that this is, is a great translation, but it's just, it's entrails. It's all the yeah. innards. I just, it makes me think <laughs> I of a zombie movie. Them sweet meats or something. That's in right. English. Oh, right. No, that's sweet bread. Better. That's something totally yeah. different. Yeah. Oh, it is? I think, well, I think so. I think it's brains. Or, or like yeah. the hypothalamus Pancreas, or something like yes, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really There's good. Ox, it also includes oxtail, mm-hmm. I believe, and uh, cheek, so pork cheek. Like, like I like I this using all part of the animal idea. Right. But, right. Um, right. Right. If you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna eat meat, then yeah. you know, yeah. it is. Uh, there's something. Um, honest about trying to find <laughs> ways of uh, uh, using the other parts. Apparently there's, there's two kinds. There's, um, I guess I shouldn't go on about this forever, but there's two kinds. There's white <laughs> and red and the white uh, is like, um, you know, the, the, the intestines and the, and the mm-hmm. red is more like the, the kidneys and the cheeks and the oxtails. And, yeah. yeah. So um, that was a nice surprise <laughs> it's a, a lovely challenge for your your skills as an illustratress yes <laughs> yeah i want to see how you make this look yeah. really appetizing yeah, I, yeah. I just can't even imagine trying to draw a bowl of all of these ingredients i'm maybe just the expression of a person enjoying the meal but um yeah i think uh, i'm going to go down the route probably of uh you know being ose like you know a daring um daring yeah. new things and trying new things so i think i might look down that road rather than do a you know portrait of an oxtail yeah <laughs> Okay, well, uh, so let's uh, zip right along um, and do our Bizu Bizu recommendations section. And um, uh, since I'm just chatting away, I'll just keep on going and say that I recommend Cookie Saint-Jacques, which are beautiful kinds of scallops in oh, the shell yes. at Café mm. Constant at 139 Rue de Saint-Dominique in Paris in the 7th arrondissement. It's a great little bistro, um, very small great for lunch and uh and dinner and very classic french menu and especially their coquille saint jacques oh my absolute favorite type of seafood okay good to know i'm hungry yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's not something i cook so i love ordering them in restaurants oh well then let's all go together because they're in the season (laughs) oh good 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 that's an excellent idea and um i actually just made a reservation to um go to the louvre since it's by reservation only so i'm doing a little date afternoon on Sunday and I mm. 
would love to kind of pop by Cafe Constance after. Yeah, they have outdoor seating. Um, I think they might have heating now. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, it's you know you can there's social distancing and all that stuff. Oh, very very good suggestion. Nice. Mm-hmm. Tioka, why don't you go ahead because um yeah okay um, so. Um, at the moment, um, starting this weekend, uh, France is going to start a 9 p.m. curfew. And I think instead of, instead of being the cliche French complainers and grignons uh, or complaining about this 9 p.m. curfew, I think we should embrace it. And um, there's this idea in Ayurveda that there is a time for everything during the, the cycle of a day. And one of the ideal or most auspicious moments for sleeping is starting at about 10 p.m. So my bisou bisou for um, this session is to embrace an early bedtime and try Mm. to get to bed by 10 (laughs) and waking up quite early the next morning so you can take like advantage of a beautiful day in Paris. That's so great. So let's embrace this curfew in Paris. Let's embrace an early bedtime and Make see what lemonade. happens. <laughs> I love it. Elizabeth. Well, uh, piggybacking off of that, uh, if you are looking for ideas of things to do during the day, since we can't go out at night, I and this is a little bit of self-promotion, but I just uh, published uh, my semi-annual art and culture roundup on oh, the nice. uh, website in Sparel, and it's 14 of my top picks of the exhibits that are on now in Paris. Oh, uh, okay. And a mix up. of big and small museums, and there seems to be a lot on fashion and photography at the moment. So okay. if you're particularly interested in those two things, there are some great exhibits. There's like a Chanel retrospective. There's an exhibit of black and white photography. There's a Cindy Sherman retrospective, which I, I love her work, where she makes these sort of invented film stills where she's like the heroine in these different like made up movies. So if you're interested in art, uh, check that out on inspirel.com. Uh, it's obviously very Paris specific, but sometimes they put some of the art online and a lot of these exhibits are traveling as well. So they might show up in a city near you. So I um, already seen a couple. Uh, I saw the Louboutin, for example, that's at the Palais de la Porte Dorée. So it's a retrospective of the shoe designer's work, which includes uh, tons of examples of his shoes, but also really fun videos of about how they're made, things with his collaborators. And the museum itself has been remodeled. I don't know if either of you have been there. No. no. It used to be like an ode to France's uh, colonies, basically. Yeah, that's right. And they sort of uh, turned it into more of a museum about its colonial past. So very much like uh, creating a dialogue with with about immigration, about colonialization. And the building itself is is a sort of art deco style and, it, and it's really sumptuous and beautiful. So uh, I recommend that exhibit in particular and uh, all the other ones, if you want to check out the article. In Spirel. And um, that sounds great. Yeah. I'm going to look, that's exactly what I was looking for. In fact, recently. So I'm excited about that. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, this is at the end of the first episode in season two. Uh, and uh, we hope to see you in next time. And uh, thanks for listening. I'm Andy. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Tioka. Uh, bisous, bisous. Bisous, bisous. A bientôt. Bisous.